0: The following podcast contains spoilers. We strongly recommend you watch the episode of The Americans We're Discussing before you listen to the podcast.
1: Adderholt has extreme faith in the United States of America and the promises that it will offer. He's totally bought into this idea that everybody can be equal. And so what he's representing is his faith in this country and Father Andre has his faith in his church, but both of these entities are larger and bigger than themselves. But both of these men are putting themselves selves on the line to ensure that other people have the opportunity to express their faith in, you know, in those respective uh, higher power.
0: Welcome to the Americans podcast for the sixth and final season. I'm June Thomas, managing producer of Slate Podcast and your host for the series, which goes behind the scenes of the show. Today, we'll talk to Kerry Russell and Matthew Reese about their thoughts about what happened to Elizabeth and Philip Jennings in the series finale. We'll also hear how Noah Emmerich and Brandon J. Dearden felt about their characters' final moves. And at the end of the episode, we'll hear the actors' strongest memories from their years on the show. But first, here are Kerry and Matthew. Today we've said goodbye to Gowanus and I'm on the phone with the stars of the series, Kerry Russell and Matthew Reese, to discuss the season finale and the series finale. Hello, Kerry and Matthew. Hi, June. Hello. Do you remember how you felt when you learned how the show was going to end?
2: Yeah, when I actually read the final episode. Ironically, I was on a train to Washington and I just remember being incredibly sad.
0: What about you, Kerry?
2: Actually,
3: I was behind on reading my scripts, and I had this (laughs) this giant break in a day. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take eight, nine, and ten, and I'm going to go to this like delicious restaurant that I love so much. And I'm going to sit at the bar because it was like their dead time, like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm going to order a a giant glass of red wine, (laughs) expensive red wine and I'm just going to burn through them. And I read through them all at once. And I was doing that thing where you kind of like start tearing up and you're trying to cover your face a little bit with your hand to like act casual and normal in public. And I could have never dreamt what they were creating, but I think it is so right on. And and I think, I think we were having this discussion with Tommy Shlami, one of our favorite directors, and he had read it. They let, the guys let him read it ahead of time. And I thought he said something really interesting, which was, um, he said, you know, you, you go through this whole story and this life with these two people who you are rooting for at points, obviously. But he said there is a part you want them to pay on some level. You want them to pay. And in a way, they've paid the worst price because they had to give up their kids. For now. I mean, obviously, we know that, you know, history, maybe they'll be able to, the wall comes down and, you know, things happen and maybe they can go back and, but it, they paid in the worst way, which is so the tone of the show, I feel. I thought they got it so right. What do you think, Matthew?
2: I agree. The whole thing with Henry is what I didn't account for. And I think it's what can, takes your breath away because you're so not expecting it. And it's such... It's such a universal kind of sorrow that people can relate to immediately. You mean
0: abandoning their son, essentially? Yeah. But it's also they kind of do it out of kindness, right?
2: Absolutely, which is what makes it so moving.
0: I mean, you're right that we know that at least two or four years, depending, you know, there's another chance. But he's going to be left as damaged goods. He'll never really be trusted. It's such a terrifying... Prospect for that that boy. What did you think when you read it? Me, oh, I was mostly focused on Paige, but afterwards it was, hey, wait, what about Henry? Yeah, he's got Stan, I guess.
2: Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> it's fine.
0: <laughs> Paige decides to stay in the states, and her case, she's got much more agency in the in the decision. And just three episodes earlier, she told Elizabeth that she wasn't afraid to die, but she was afraid to be alone, and yet she essentially chooses to be alone. That really surprised me. How how did you respond to that?
3: Well, it's devastating. It is so devastating that this child that you sort of, you know, like every parent feels like given everything to, and of course, it's not not necessarily what they want. It's everything you want, and then they look you in the face and like kind of say, "I'm not doing it," and it's devastating. and And to lose them both. Also, story-wise, just like on a realistic level, what happens to her? Because now the FBI know everything. So what, she's going to go through this whole process of lying and say she doesn't know? And then, like, what does that mean for her? You know what I mean? Because she does know everything. And where will she take that? It's just, it's so complicated. And obviously, story-wise, sort of meant to punish Philip and Elizabeth, right? I mean.
0: Yeah, she knows everything at the same time. She kind of knows nothing. She...
3: Right, because it's all it was all
0: maybe a fantasy in a way, right? I mean, that's kind of
3: how I thought of it, but um, or like a, clo- a need for this closeness with a parent whose parents were sort of absent for so long.
0: Well, and, and Philip and Elizabeth, they return to being Nadezhda and, and Misha. They're starting over in a sense, but America has obviously changed them in all these years. I feel like they're going to continue as a couple. I mean, if it had been a few seasons ago or a few years ago, I don't think they would have. But does that seem completely obvious to you guys too that they will continue to be together? Yeah, they really love each other at this point.
2: Absolutely, and I thought, well, I I think they do, but I'm an old romantic. But I I think I think they've kind of come they come full circle, and they've you know they've been through so much, and they've been. You know, they've been honest with each other about how they feel about each other. And, and I think they're, they're in it for the long haul.
0: And they'll just have Martha over once or twice a week just for dinner.
3: <laughs> just cook for her. See how to check in on her.
0: <laughs> One thing that I was really curious about, Matthew, how do you feel when Philip tells Stan that he has his suspicions about Renee? I just mm. couldn't tell. Like, was that a cruelty, a kindness? I asked... Noah Noah says that he thinks it was a genuine act of friendship that Philip isn't trolling Stan he's really seriously trying to help him he's getting rid of all those lies and secrets what do you think
2: I agree I agree with Noah you know I think you know Philip genuinely loved Stan and had this you know I think had this great guilt for what he knew you know the truth to be and his betrayal of Stan really hurt Philip and and knowing how in that last moment when when he asks a favor of Stan with regards to Henry, then the only thing he can do, which is genuine, his, his suspicion of René is genuine, is to let him know because he thinks he should know.
0: This is maybe a strange question, but which of the surviving members of the cast of characters do you think has the most unfortunate outcome? I mean, in some ways I kind of feel like maybe it's Henry, but what do you guys think? Definitely the kids. It's either Paige or Henry. I mean, in some ways,
3: Henry is the most abandoned, which I can't even stomach. But in a way, he he had a cleaner break. And Paige, I don't know that she's going to recover. I mean, it's like, that is a really fucked up
2: situation.
3: I don't know. What do you think, Em?
2: I'd agree. I'd agree. Between the kids, you can argue both ways. You can argue that, like, you know, Paige has a voice and a choice in in some of it, and, you know, the knowledge of it all might have helped. But like you said, the kind of cleanness of Henry might help him. I don't know. The kid's are pretty fucked.
0: (laughs) So over six seasons, I can't even count how many operational disguises you've worn. Some were characters in their own right. Some of these wigs were epic. And not to mention the glasses. What were your favourite disguises, each of you?
2: Steph. Wow. You like Steph? I wanted to be Steph.
0: <laughs> my mom's name is <laughs> Stephanie and
3: we, we we joke. I'm always like Steph and so my mom texted me, which by the way I don't even know how she knows how to text, but she texted me <laughs> on the first episode and said, Oh, sure, you guys name the character who who is like not attractive Steph <laughs> I was like, Uh, the writers aren't thinking about you, Mom. <laughs> But stuff is pretty enjoyable. Um, gosh, I don't know. They've all been... It's so fun. You know, we can look at it in retrospect now a little bit. It was fun to get to do all that crazy stuff. It's like Halloween every day. You've,
0: you've now played so many characters in one show that you've like... Everything's going to be a doddle after this. It's going to be so boring. <laughs> I
2: know. Uh, well, I'm retiring. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's what my agents asked me to do. <laughs>
0: I chatted with Noah Emmerich about how he interpreted Special Agent Stan Beeman's final episode confrontation with the Jenningses. In the final episode, the series finale, mm. despite his suspicions, he doesn't tell Adaholt to put anyone on the Jennings' house. And then later, when he finds them, because he is a good intelligence officer, he is a good agent, he doesn't shoot them when he finds them at the garage and he lets them get away. Why not? Yeah.
4: It's a really good question. You know, uh, uh, I was incredibly pleased to read that. It was unexpected for me and I think quite beautiful. I'm hesitant to answer because I, don't, I hate to, I hate to, it's not clear to me. I have lots of thoughts about it. Look, I think there's lots of things going on. I think Stan loves Philip. I think Stan is bigger than his anger
0: what he considers being betrayed by yeah
4: yeah the anger i mean sort of the the stages of grief that we go through stan goes through very concisely in that one moment he's also been living with the possibility for like as you mentioned in seven it really comes alive so by 10 we're a little bit later Stan's. i think i think once it comes alive in stan that light bulb i think he knows and he's spending a lot of the time i've had this conversation with the jays because it's tough to do dramaturgically i think once stan Is suspicious again. He knows that's when you know, you know, your partner is having an affair And you're looking for validation and of course you're hoping that you're wrong But somewhere you know that it's happening or you wouldn't be suspicious in the first place So we don't want to blow that in episode seven We have to stretch it out over three episodes. But the truth is for me stan always knows from the moment Elizabeth leaves is not doesn't and then philip leaves the next day And everything's going on in chicago and all the shit's hitting the fan all over the country somewhere he knows in that moment. So he's had some time to unconsciously digest it but i'm sort of being evasive but uh <laughs> i think he can't shoot them yeah. is a short answer yeah. he can't kill them and what's the alternative he could arrest them and drag them in in a weird way that that prolongs the agony to what gain i'm not sure in a weird way their disappearance into the ether is the easiest for stan and also humanely the most uh, livable result because he does love them he has a real connection to them he certainly loves henry the fact that they're leaving henry behind and so not only is it his best friend but it's also his just uh, child that he loves father so that's another place that Philip occupies and stands consciousness is that he's not just Philip, but he's Henry's father. Henry has become his charge, and I don't know. I mean, I'm, 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 you know, there's a lot going on there, but I think it's. I'm very happy that he doesn't get it. I find it sort of humanely heroic.
0: Way back before the first episode of The Americans, we talked on the telephone for a piece that I was writing, and 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 you were kind of mad. I mean, I think a little bit performatively. You you thought that I did, wasn't appreciative that Stan is a good, dedicated, loyal patriot. Uh-huh. Do you still feel that way? Is, is that still how you see him?
4: Yeah, yeah. But he let but, the Russians go. But I'm really curious as to why you're asking me again. <laughs> We're going to get into this again, June. Now, hold on a second. I see a loyal American because he let the Russians yeah, go? Yeah, yeah. In that context. Well, as I said, I mean, even undefensively before, you know, I don't think keeping them doesn't gain America anything. I mean, I guess that's not true. You could, do, you, could, you could debrief them and figure out all kinds of workings about how the illegals operate. And hypothetically, there'd be a wealth of information in interrogation with Philip and Elizabeth. Although I think knowing them as he does, the odds of that are pretty zero. I don't know if it profits America to capture them or let them go. I don't think there's a difference to Stan's mind. I think Stan has committed his life to serving his country and i think he he sacrificed his life for his country and then in those black and white issue instances it's clear that stan i think is a patriot in the more shaded nuanced decisions and calls one could argue if he's a patriot or not but i think he certainly feels he's a patriot and i I'm too close to him to separate to give you any real perspective because I'm still filming. That's but good. maybe in a few months, I'd have a different point of view. I mean, I've I've had this with other characters I've played in the past where I just am very defensive of my characters because no character believes themselves to be anything but heroic. Even the most evil, sinister character, they don't think of themselves, I don't believe, as evil or sinister. Think they think they're doing what's has to be done. And so there are no internal i mean of course that's another interesting level of course psychologically some people do to themselves this villainous and that causes all sorts of tortured realities and i don't mean to eliminate that possibility but so it's hard for me to really talk objectively (laughs) about a character i'm i'm still playing even ones that i've played in the past i still defend probably ridiculously but i can't help it
0: i I love knowing that maybe the very final thing that philip says to stan which Mm. again feels like it's a very loving thing to do is yeah. to warn him of his suspicions of renee and yeah. i think he does it from caring but it's mm. also kind of cruel to, to to sow that seed mm. of suspicion i think
4: yeah i think of it as as loving and in some ways one I apropos your previous question one could argue that philip is actually betraying in a way that's much deeper than stan because he's because he could be killing Renee with that utterance, that could be the end of Renee's life. As much as it would be traumatic and terrible for Stan, he's giving up an agent, an undercover, potentially an undercover agent. Uh, not to get into it. Who's the, <laughs> I see, I, I can't help it. But um, I think it's. A, I don't think there's anything cruel about it. I think it's really. I think again, it's mirroring of the the humane trumping the political. I think Philip feels the need to. Tell Stan that for Stan, because he cares about Stan and loves Stan as well. And he thinks, I can't let this man live the rest of his life as a Martha. I have to tell him.
0: I also got a chance to ask Brandon J. Dearden about agent Dennis Adderholt's interrogation of Father Andre. In episode 610, you know, where we learn what's going to go on, what's happening, there's a crucial breakthrough that comes from Adaholt. that comes from Adderholt talking to this Russian Orthodox priest. Yes. And it was striking to me that we have a black American who makes a kind of a faith connection with Father Andre. And I wondered if if that was something that struck you too.
1: That's interesting because we just filmed that scene prior to me coming and speaking with you this afternoon. And what I learned in that scene, I try to keep an open mind as I begin to work on the scene because it can go in many different directions. Uh, You just try to stay open. And what I learned from working... Uh, with the wonderful Chris Long, our director for this episode, and Constantine, the actor who plays Father Andre, what I learned is that you talk about this connection of faith. Well, I learned that Adderholt has extreme faith in the United States of America and the promises that it will offer to him, right? He's totally bought into this idea that everybody can be equal, everybody des- deserves a fair shot. And so what he's representing is his faith in this country and Father Andre has his faith in this church, but both of these entities are larger and bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. But both of these men are putting themselves on the line to ensure that other people have the opportunity to express their faith in you know in those respective uh, higher powers, mm-hmm. right? And And so the connection is made with this sense of selflessness. You're totally giving of yourself for this idea that in a lot of ways, are inexplicable or have failed people time and time again. The American dream has failed people who look like me. Mm-hmm. The church has f- is failed, especially in, in Russia right now. We're at a time of, where the KGB doesn't want this church to exist. Right. So they're being failed in so many ways, but yet and still we we put our life on the line to protect it's the institution.
0: So, Brendan, as far as you see it, when Adderholt is making those kind of representations, I will make sure you're okay. I wondered if that was kind of a, you know, if, he, if it was sincere or if it was a strategy. You know, he's a, his goal sure. is to get this We've piece of information. It. We've
1: got to crack uh, I think it's absolutely both. I mean, these ideals that you should be able to practice freely in this country, your religion, that is something that Adderholt has sworn to uphold. And whether I agree with it or not, that that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And so when he's promising that I will do this to protect your church in this country, he means that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is also a reality. If we find out that the, the core of the russian orthodox church here in america is aiding and abetting kgb activity and is designed or is 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 being implicated in uh espionage and 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 has become an enemy of of the united states of america i am also sworn to protect the united states of america Mm. and that comes before your right to practice your religion because you aren't doing that anymore right so it's both and so he leaves father andre with zero options
0: And finally, when I interviewed the actors this season, I asked them all one question. Final question. What is your strongest memory of anything that's happened over the six seasons? Is there one thing that you remember from this entire
2: experience? For me, it's being slapped in the audition. (laughs) (laughs) Who slapped you? Carrie.
0: Oh, my goodness. We're doing some screen testing
3: with um, Gavin O'Connor, who directed the pilot, and we had... We had just a few different people and um, it didn't always work, the slap. And um, <laughs> I, I won't call anyone out. But anyway, and uh, when we screen tested with Matthew, Gavin pulled me aside and said, um, when you do that scene, it was this, the laundry room scene where Philip brings up to Elizabeth a, the idea that they would defect. and." Um, Elizabeth is supposed to just slap him across the face and say, how could you even say that? The kids, blah, 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 blah. And so he pulled me aside before the next take and said, "Um, like, really slap him this time. And I was like, okay. So I did. And I slapped him so hard. And I could see the handprint. On his face. But when I slapped him, he didn't even blink. He literally turned his head and, like, looked me straight in the eye. And Gavin was like, that's our guy. <laughs> you know, he like he, like, didn't even flinch. He was like, and that's what that guy needed to be. And I would say mine, there's so many. I mean, there are so, so many. I would say one of it has to do with um, a general thing, which I'm sure Matthew will know what I'm talking about which is just being in New York in the dead of winter, <laughs> being in some <laughs> crazy street somewhere at three in the morning and just standing out in the cold. Like that is so the Americans to me. And then I would just say those for your first few years of doing night shoots and and shooting with Matthew and just laughing so hard. You know, even though we were doing all these crazy, serious scenes and having these great tennis matches of scenes together, you know, I would say really laughing together and just, you know, him making me laugh.
1: Oh boy. So many, you know, you're right. And that this is my first experience having an arc on a a television series over multiple seasons. But uh, in my first season uh, here, I hadn't done much television at all, just a little guest spots here and there. But I remember I was doing a scene. It's maybe I can't remember the episode, maybe four or five in season three, and uh, and we've got we've got them cornered, you know, right? And Tommy Schlamy is directing this episode, and um, we go into the vault, the FBI vault, and I've been called in because I'm the specialist. I've actually you know caught an illegal before in my in, in, in another assignment. So I come in and the scene is uh, they're looking over the map and, uh, you know, Gad is there and standing. And some other agents are there and they're looking at the map and they're saying, we got these, you got them here. The agents are following here, here, here. And so I come in and they, they're they updating me on what's happening. And I come in, I kind of take charge of saying, this is what, this was got to happen. You have to do X, Y and Z. And I'm so nervous because I have to drive this scene. I have to you know, it's my first scene where I'm actually having to to drive the action. And it's Tommy Schleimer directing who I have admired for so long. You know, the West Wing, come on. And he's so specific and he's so good. And I know Tommy doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to direct here. He does because he loves this show. And so I'm really nervous and I'm still the new guy. And so I come in and I put lean on, put my hands on the conference table desk. And uh, this is in a rehearsal. And the table was a little even so it kind of squeaks as I put my hand down on the desk. And I said, "Okay, uh, cut on rehearsal. And the boom operator at the time, he comes over to me and he says, "Um, hey, uh, great. But when you put your hands on the desk, it makes a little noise. So maybe don't put so much weight on the table. I said, okay, sure, sure, not a problem, not a problem. And Noah Emmerich, and this is one of the greatest pieces of advice I've ever gotten from another actor, and I'm so grateful for Noah and his generosity with me. Noah Emmerich pulls me aside, and he says, don't worry about that. He says, when you're in the scene, you can't be thinking about how to make the sound work. You have to be thinking about what it is you're doing, what you're trying to do in the scene. So if they need to fix a table, they'll call in, props to come in and 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 they'll shimmy the table and they'll fix it. But you have to be concentrating on what you came in here to do. He says, because at the end of the day, if you have a terrible performance on camera, you know, the audience member isn't going to say, God, that, that was awful. But the sound was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's it things can be fixed and you and it's not always your job to fix it, right? right. Now, I don't blame the boom operator for asking the the question that's mm-hmm. that, that wasn't the point, but the point is know what it is you came to do mm-hmm. and do it and get the things that you need to get in order to do your, your job effectively right. and uh, that stay with me on so many other jobs is to do my job in addition to that is don't try to do anybody else's job. Right. Because I come from, in the, in the world of theater, you want to be helpful, right? There's a scene happening and the director says, oh, we got to get that cup off the table uh, because it can't be there for the next thing. And all the actors say, oh, I think I can probably take that cup, you know, during this moment. Yeah, yeah. And when you do that, you know, for film and television,
0: you,
1: you, you screw up everything. There's some, that's somebody's job, right, you know? Right. So you don't have to do that. But he's directed you in several episodes, right? Fantastic director. I hope I hope he continues to direct more um and I hope he continues to hire me more because <laughs> I think the way he engages with actors uh from a very personal standpoint he knows exactly when you're in your head and how to get you out of your head mm-hmm. and he's excited he loves the process and it's not just about working with that he loves he, he loves working with the DP he loves working with he loves working with everybody he loves the entire process of of how to tell the story in this medium and he's so good at it and so I, I look forward to, to
4: uh, whatever Noah has next as a director. You know, I was just looking through photos the other day, weirdly, and I saw a picture of us shooting the pilot. And I'm remembering now, I guess, as we do when we look back at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Not that I would have said that yesterday, that was my strongest memory, but just the beginning of it all, the sort of the, f- the richness, the fertility of all that. And looking at a picture and seeing Joe and Gavin O'Connor, who directed the pilot, who's a dear friend, we all look younger, first of all, which is startling because it's only been six years, but it's a big six years. I remember very well the feeling of it because when we shot the pilot, it was just a pilot. We didn't know if it was going to be a job. If it was going to go on forever again or maybe one season or maybe half a season. You never know. I remember auditioning for this show and making a tape because it was an unprecedented experience for me. I went in. They, they were interested in me. We had some meetings. We talked. They want to see you in the character saying the words. So I went in and with Carrie and Matthew, Matthew was also sort of reading and we read some scenes and they said, great, this is great. We want you, we're going to do this. Great. We'll send the tape off to LA and have the, everyone else look at it. And then they called me the next day and said, so we're really embarrassed, but, uh, didn't record sound. The video is great, but we can't hear what you're saying. So could you, would you come back and do it again? Which is really, I've never had that happen before. I remember that. I remember meeting Joe Weitzberg at a coffee shop in Brooklyn to talk about the show and what his plans were and what his vision was because you read one script, you don't know what it's going to be. It's hard to sign a five-year contract based upon 30 or 45 pages, you know.
0: What's your strongest memory of your work on the show?
2: I think my first day. I still remember my first day. What
0: season did you join the show?
2: Two. Episode one, season two, yeah. I still remember walking onto the set and... Meeting on all the set builders, and who all the guys who had no idea who the hell this guy is. And meeting Annette, and meeting Lev, and meeting uh,
0: Nina and Arkady. <clears throat> Nina
2: and Arcady. yeah. That was my first day working with them. And Dan Sarkheim was directing. And um, Dan was uh, there, my casting rounds back in LA. And I walked in, and, and he gave me this biggest hug. And I thought, everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> and uh, yeah it was and it was yes it's been quite a quite a ride
0: thanks to Kerry Russell Matthew Rees Noah Emmerich Brandon J. Dearden and Costa Ronan thanks also to Daniel Schrader for recording assistance to Danielle Hewitt for her help keeping this podcast spoiler free and to the Americans Sarah Nolan for organizational help And one final thank you to the Americans' showrunners, Joe Weisberg and Joel Fields, for the endless hours they spent answering my questions over three seasons of making this podcast. I'm June Thomas. Thank you for listening.